Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Some years ago now, on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of my ordination to the Christian ministry, our family was given the incredible gift of a trip to the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. It was the first time we'd ever been there, and it was a wonderful experience all the way around. But I have to tell you that one of the most memorable aspects of it is that it ended up happening on the heels of my having undergone emergency back surgery on Easter Sunday morning, no less. Now, that's not as dire as it sounds. At the time we were to leave, I was three weeks out from the procedure. The doctors all said I was fine to go and that a little Florida sunshine might actually be good for me. And besides, before we went, I promised everybody, everybody in my family, everybody at the church, everybody at the supermarket. I'm not kidding about that. I promised that I would be careful. I wouldn't overdo, and if necessary, that I would use a wheelchair, which I actually did for a day. Now, that day was, to say the very least, a unique experience in which I was given a small taste of life and the world as only the disabled experience it. To begin with, if you've ever wondered, yes, when you're in a wheelchair, you do get to the head of the line for some of the rides at Disney, which admittedly was okay. At the same time, however, a whole lot of what you end up seeing is at waist-high level, which makes things very limited on a crowded Saturday in the Magic Kingdom. Moreover, you quickly make the discovery that while most people, including, I should say, every single Disney cast member we encountered, are very considerate of those who are in wheelchairs, there are still others in the park who are downright rude about it, or who simply don't care that you're there. To them, you're just in the way, and that's all that matters. And it is an awkward feeling, no doubt about it. I'll bet I said, excuse me, and I'm sorry, a hundred times through the course of the day, And trust me, it was just as bad for those who traded off on the job of pushing me around in that wheelchair all day. That's why I can forgive my wife, Lisa, for almost dumping me headfirst, accidentally, mind you, at the Cali River Rapids. She hates when I tell this story, by the way. And it's why I can now laugh at how one of our friends who was traveling with us accidentally parked me and my wheelchair so that I was facing a brick wall. Talk about feeling disconnected from the rest of the world. Needless to say, by the end of that day, I was ready to take up my mat and walk. And I remember promising yet again that I'd be careful, that I'd rest when I needed to, and I I wouldn't do anything stupid. There was the incident at Space Mountain, but that's a story for another time. But that I absolutely couldn't do this wheelchair thing anymore. And you know what? I was fine. The walking absolutely helped me, and it turned out to be a great week. I also have to tell you that throughout the next several days, I had a whole new sensitivity towards those around me who were disabled, as well as a profound awareness that while I had a choice about my situation, the vast majority of them did not, which certainly changes one's perspective on matters of compassion and inclusiveness and basic accessibility. As I think about it now, however, it does raise another question, kind of the flip side of all of this, if you will. 
which is, what if you do have a choice, but you don't choose? How would it be to sit in a wheelchair when you don't have to? What if you have uh, the opportunities, the resources, and the options available to you to make your situation better, but you won't avail yourselves of them? What if you are, in fact, for whatever reason, stuck where you are and how you are? This actually puts me in mind of the story in John's Gospel about the healing by Jesus of the so-called invalid at the Pool of Bethsaida, a reservoir of water near the Sheep Gate of Jerusalem, which, when the water was stirred and agitated, by angels, by the way, was believed to have healing powers. Consequently, there was almost always a great many disabled people waiting at the edge of the pool, including this one man who, we're told, had been sick for 38 years and presumably had been waiting at the edge of that pool every day for just about as long. This is the man who is approached by Jesus as he's making his way to Jerusalem, and who is asked by him, Do you want to be made well? Now, on the face of it, that seems like a pretty obvious question with an equally obvious answer. Of course he wanted to be made well, right? But strangely enough, it turns out that the man doesn't even really answer Jesus' question. Rather, he makes excuses. Sir, he says, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Whereupon Jesus immediately tells him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. And the man does just that. Another healing, another miracle. What's interesting, though, about this little exchange in John's Gospel is that there is no mention of the man having faith. We're given no indication that this man believed in Jesus or anything or anyone else for that matter, except that there might be magic water in this pool. That's the nature of God's grace, isn't it? And it's what this story is all about. The undeserved, unmerited love of God demonstrated in Jesus' healing of a man who wasn't even sure he wanted to be healed at all. Because truth be told, for 38 years, this man had been coming to this pool as though it were his only source of hope. Day after day, in the same place, waiting for something to happen that never did come to pass. There's a maxim in the counseling profession that says, and you've heard this probably, when you do what you always do, you get what you always get. And even though this man claimed to want healing to get his life back, his actions, doing the same old thing again and again to no effect, seemed to say otherwise. That's why, in typical fashion, Jesus cut to the heart of this man's situation by asking him a simple and direct question. And you'll notice, by the way, that it's not, do you believe I can heal you? The question is, do you want to get well? Well, friends, I would say to you that this is about as valid a question as Jesus could ask any of us. So let me ask it again. What if we have the choice? The choice to change, to grow, to become, to be healed. But we don't choose. To put a finer point on it, why is it that we so often fail to try something that will help us? 
Why do some of us, for instance, have a hard time to say quit smoking or to change our diets or to start exercising or to take better care of our bodies? Why do so many of us ignore the opportunities we're given for rest, relaxation, the time to spend with the people we love? And why do so many Christians, Christians in times of stress and struggle, seem to treat prayer as some sort of act of last resort, even when we know the kind of comfort and strength that that's going to bring? Why don't we choose to be well? Well, for some, I suppose it's fear. Fear of change, fear of being vulnerable or, or having to admit weakness and powerless before others and even before God. For others, it's clearly a matter of stubbornness. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to be, even if what I'm doing and how I'm being is hurting others and killing me. And yes, there are those who enjoy being the victim wallowing in self-pity, wanting others to feel sorry for them. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on with the man at the Pool of Bethsaida, but in fact, there were opportunities before him, and he only saw obstacles. Likewise, there are so many of us who go through life wandering around aimlessly, crashing into all of life's obstacles as we go. Sometimes, even when there's a good and clear pathway before us all along. You see, when Jesus asks this question, do you want to get well? He's offering us freedom. The freedom that comes with new life. Offering us as well love that has no end. Peace that comes in believing. Jesus brings to each one of us the means to reorder our lives and to move forward on a clear and straight trajectory. It's ours to receive. But first, we do need to answer Jesus' question. Do we want to get well? Can we make the change? Are we willing to put old habits and shop-worn ideas away and let his spirit inspire us to new ways of thinking and acting? Our answers to such questions make all the difference as to whether we keep on doing what we always do to get what we always get or whether we can truly receive the healing that Jesus desires for us. I remember back on that day at Disney, I got asked what seemed like a million times by all sorts of people if I was ambulatory. Now, what they needed to know, of course, is whether or not I could get up out of the wheelchair and climb onto the seats on the ride, or if some of these cast members literally had to pick me up, wheelchair and all, to put me in the ride. But when I think back on it now, maybe I was afraid that they would think I was faking or something, because I realize now that I probably sounded a bit incredulous about my answer. Yes, I'm ambulatory. I'm recuperating. <laughs> well, friends, as regards our faith in the midst of all the challenges and struggles that come our way in this life, I hope and pray that we will answer Jesus in the same way. Minus the incredulous tone of voice, mind you. Yes, Lord, of course. We're ambulatory. We're recuperating. And thanks to you, we are going to rise up and walk. And what's more, when we do, we're going to follow you where you lead. Yes, yes, we want to be well.
And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.